0: Hook your damn head off. Get across and use your bloody body. Look at that word there, bloody aggressive. How many has I been aggressive so far? We're not running straight at the ball. That's a cruel part about it, tigers. Nothing more tigerish than a bloody tiger, a wounded tiger. Kevin, fair dinkum, mate, you've got to put your boot into the ball. You're too slow to do all this finessing. Bloody back pocket plumber. That's what I want. You see the bloody straight, get your boot to the damn thing. Head towards gold.
1: So that's pretty much my favourite audio of all time. Nothing more tigerish than a tiger, a wounded bloody tiger. I want to see Kevin Sheedy, back pocket plumber. These are immortal phrases to those of us who love... AFL footy, or in this case, it was VFL footy. That's Tom Hafey speaking to his beleaguered Tigers at halftime in the 1974 preliminary final, and that audio appeared on a documentary called 100 Years of Australian Football, and it's a marker of the time. That's how coaches used to speak to their players. But this week, one of the great Richmond coaches, some would say after Hafey, the next greatest, Damien Hardwick has retired at Tigerland after 307 games at the helm there. Three flags as well. Damien Hardwick represents a more eloquent, a more controlled, a more modern figure than T-shirt Tom. And this audio is him addressing the Richmond players as they're about to retake the field at halftime in the 2020 Grand Final. From the documentary making their mark, that's on Amazon Prime.
0: Let's go grab a jumper. We've been through a hell of a journey. Okay, however we decide what our story wants to be is on the Richmond Football Club. It's on every single individual in this little huddle now.
1: Have we played the very best we have? No,
0: we've got a long way to improve. There's no doubt about that. But the reality is it is our story to write. What story you want it to be is determined by the man in that jumper and the man in that jumper beside you it all comes down to us we are playing a good side there is no doubt about that but you're a f- great side so you get to dictate what this story looks like this second half we understand who we are but more importantly we understand what we f- do it's it's hard tough richmond style footy you leave nothing in the tank you're playing in one of the biggest games of the year let's go
1: to fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the Speak fields. Right. If you lay down with dogs, you get fleas. Fraud, sham, and hypocrisy. Change within Speak the system. Right. The hollow man of anger and bitterness all must be
0: left to a bygone age.
1: I understand victory, I understand sacrifice. Speak, Ola. Right. I may not get there with you, but we. Tony Wilson. Hello, everyone. I am Tony Wilson. There's nothing more speakola-ish than a speakola podcast. This episode is about the Richmond Tigers, and in particular, it's a chat with the CEO of Richmond, Brendan Gale. I was surprised he wasn't made AFL CEO. Maybe Andrew Dillon will be an inspired choice, but certainly for runs on the board, Brendan Gale has them. And when they look at the tripod of off-field stability that has dominated this last decade or so, I think the three struts are Peggy O'Neill, president of the club, now departed, Damien Hardwick, coach of the team, who resigned this week, and Brendan Gale, who has been in the top job as CEO since 2010. I recorded this interview at Punt Road Oval and it was recorded in February. I got together with Brendan there to chat about Alan Jeans because I'm writing an Alan Jeans biography and perhaps the least celebrated part of the great Yabby's coaching life was his 1992 season at Richmond, which was eminently forgettable in terms of results. But Unforgettable for many of the people who got to know Jeans, and one of those was Brendan Gale. And so my interview was book-related, but at the end of it I thought, hey, you delivered that amazing speech in the club rooms at Richmond in 2010 where the whole club was dragged in to listen to Gale and he outlined a vision. And it was such an ambitious and brave and some would say even a foolhardy speech in terms of the way he stated performance goals that it became famous when the Tiges met those performance goals he basically said we're going to win three flags in 10 years and They won three flags in 10 years it's incredible and so i kept the recorder going at the end of my alan jeans chat and we talked about that day at punt road Well, I'm here at Punt Road Oval, and the man who's the CEO of the Richmond Tigers, Brendan Gales, good enough to talk to me about his 2010 speech. Would you call it a season launch speech, Brendan? No, it was a sort of a
0: it was a bit of a campaign speech, I guess. It was uh, it was the launch of a new strategic plan, which was a, a statement of, uh, I guess, our vision and aspiration as a footy club, and which had come off the back of you know two or three months of research and diagnosis and analysis about where we were and why we were where we were so it was a bit of a line in the sand and, and you know I guess sharing without getting too granular sharing I guess the sense of where we wanted to take the club and and the being the means by which we were going to get there in a bit of a narrative as a club you know if we I, I felt we'd lost our confidence and at its hard. I always felt Richmond was an ambitious club and when that ambition was all harnessed and directed and working in the right way Throughout history, great things have been achieved. So I just think, I, I just felt, and it wasn't just, you know, we felt, it was a shared sort of understanding that we had to shoot for the stars. But rather than hope or hype, we actually had a sort of bit of a plan on real goals and real metrics and real accountability. So that, that speech was a, a story to bring that all together. And where did it take place? It took place in uh, the old gym, and the old Jack Dye stand, so back then we didn't have this new yellow and black Swinburne Centre. We just we just had that, and so and that was important because it was a speech delivered to our entire club, from the board, uh, staff, management, players, coaches, and it was sort of a new broom. T- it was it was, it was a, a new CEO, which is me, and a but for one or two staff, a new management team. It was a new coach. Who was that? Damien. Who? So yeah, so Damien. Um, a, a new coaching team, a new game plan, or we a you know, new players, or turning over the list. You know, we got so it was two thousand nine draft. So Asprey Martin just came in. So it was a, it was a new broom. It was a, it was a new it was a new approach, and we needed a new narrative. And so the speech is called "Winning Together."
1: And you start off with your own connection to the club. Two forty four yeah. games. It's a yeah. It's a huge connection. I mean, yeah. how, when did you first come to Richmond? well i was drafted
0: in the second year of the national draft which so it was november 87 and i had two years, well I had quite a few injuries but I had that the obligatory two years in the twos and i
1: debuted around 1990 And then, I guess, what informs the first part of the speech is that there's this sort of generation, there's a a generation of Tigers, and you mentioned the greatest of all of that generation who's Matthew Richardson, who have had this kind of emptiness, I guess, because it didn't matter how good a player you'd been over the 1990 to 2010 period, there were two final series, you know, and so... Uh, was it one final series? You know, that, so there was a, that. That's sort of how you set the scene as to where you're climbing from. Yeah, but.
0: and also it was important to I guess anchor it in my experience because I had to accept my fair share of responsibility in it because I, I felt part of our analysis around the time was there was a lot of looking back and blaming previous administrations and cultures and 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 coaches and making excuses and finger pointing and and I just felt. You know, we had to this new crew, this new crew, this new broom, with a, with a strong mandate from the board. Obviously, it already made some big changes. Had to take responsibility now. We had to own it. We had to own the situation, all of it, we're in because I felt it wasn't until you know when we finally took ownership that's we can start moving forward. And so, you know, part of that was saying, despite the great efforts of individuals. Board, presidents, players, coaches, you know, KB, Z, despite the best efforts of the individuals who've done many great things, on the measure that matters most, we've been a collective failure. And I could say that, because I've been part of it, and I accepted my responsibility. And so that's why it was, so we don't want to, we want
1: to draw a line in the sand, and we don't want the next generation of players to feel the same way. And you've got to really clear, I don't know, were you screaming at this point or lifting your voice? You're never playing in a grand final, winning nothing. Can any of us imagine this, reaching 2030 with no more premierships? No, it was more probably quizzical, to be honest. Can, can, you, know, can you imagine? It wasn't, you know, I mean Yeah. Uh,
0: um, it was, look, at the end of the day, I'm, a, I'm an average public speaker. I'm not, but, but the thing is, I believe in it. That's what I believe. That's what I felt. That's what I observed. That's what I knew. That's what and that understanding was shared and, and I felt that was the way forward. That was the and we all felt that. So when you're saying something you believe in, you know, it tends to be a little more persuasive and you know, it was laughed at and <laughs> pretty pretty cool. And we expected that. But the other thing, Tony, is is as part of that, we define success broadly. So success wasn't simply about wins and losses, that'll come later. It was about the pre-enabling additions of the are the, are the trust, the alignment, the culture, the business, the money, to enable football success. And so, you know, we weren't winning games earlier, but we we're building a membership base. we were paying down debt, and people thought, "Well, you know, we're making progress, and we're building momentum." And and so we get 2014. You know, we we talked about 3 to, 0 to 75 Well, we haven't just paid down our debt. We've got cash in the bank. We've got seventy one thousand members. And we we're close to the finals. We started playing finals the next year, and football came. And anyway. So.
1: And so, I think you, you do put the goals in. It's always a, as a CEO, I'm interested to know how openly you should state goals. Like this is this this speech, I guess, was laughed at because you put in two very measurable goals. One one was that you had to make the finals. I think in the first four years. Well, there was two.
0: There was, there was the short term th- three. So in five years, we wanted to play in three final series. We wanted to uh, pay down. Debt zero, and have seventy five thousand members. We played in two final series,
1: including where, the kicking against the wind. In including those, yeah. What Adelaide? <laughs>
0: uh, we had two million bucks in the bank. We had about you know sixty seven thousand members. But on those measurements, notwithstanding, we kicked against the wind. We we're making progress. Yeah, and we felt once we built that platform and level of football competitiveness, then we could go on and and the next one was you know. The, Strongest emotional connection. Three premierships by
1: 2020. So I noticed you didn't actually put in the because the three premierships by 2020 would have been a big um, the line if you said that line. What was there? You say you say um, 13 premierships by 2020. That which if you add the three on, but did you put the actual three premierships in? Did you say? Well, we we only had ten. I know, but people had to do the maths, right? Oh.
0: So so my, my, that, that the whole, the narrative, the story, the plan, the objectives was of its time and of its place. And as I said before, um, when you asked me, we, and we needed, the club had lost confidence, um, it lost belief. We need to remind our people you know, that we had been a successful club. We had, we had eras of great dominance. We had socks to pull up. We could be there again if we had the plan and the people and so the goal setting was about, you know, it was a turnaround. It was about shocking, creating a sense of urgency and about momentum. And, and yeah, people ridiculed us, but they thought, you know, they're having a, having a crack. They're going to have a go. and We'll, we'll, we'll give them, we'll, we'll see how they go. We'd sit and people bought in. And we're setting membership records before premierships. We're at a different time now, you know what I mean? Would I come out now and say, well, we'll have 16 premierships. Well, you know, I think we're on a much stronger footing where you know we've got a strong footy programs, program, supports the business, support, the business supports football. You know we we needed to shock the place, and that's that's what I mean when
1: I say it was of its time and place. And do you remember, as you're saying these things, the you know like for example, three premierships in in the next ten years, what was the room like? Was the was was it was it hitting? Like were people listening, and was it pin drop stuff, or were Oh, I think, to be honest, I think it was pin drop
0: stuff when I said three final series in the next next (laughs) five years. I mean, that
1: was probably the most,
0: you know, the the membership I thought we'd get, 75,000 members. The debt, I thought, if we tick that box, we can probably go somewhere to paying down. The football's going to test us. Yeah, we got to two final series. So, but once, you know, once you, you know, once we become competitive, I don't know, it's, it's, Lee Matthews had a great saying which I didn't really understand to I was put in that position he said but the hardest thing about winning premierships the hardest thing about winning grand finals is getting in them once you get in them I mean it's a flip of the, you know what I mean it's just a bit like once you get in finals it, things can just open up like in 17 you know we we beat Geelong we play an interstate f- team at home and we're in a grand final you know what I mean it's a so when, when I delivered at the time yeah people thought well this is fanciful but but did you cop it in the press? And- oh, I copped in the press, copped it. Of course it did, and 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 I went in ice wide open, and we knew we would, and Richmond people were embarrassed of why do you put us through it? But um, but once again, it wasn't just about wins and losses. We define success broadly, and we need to get the off field right before the on field could really improve, and we could sustain success. And people bought into that, you know, well. Membership is important. Yeah, revenue is important, and money is important.
1: And and there must have been a moment. I don't know whether you sat down. I, th- I saw a story. I think it was on the Richmond website in the aftermath of 2020 because you hit it on the nose, right? Yeah. The three premierships by 2020 <laughs> yeah. predicted in a club room whilst being ridiculed in the press. Yeah. Ten years earlier, was there a moment of kind of satisfaction, or uh, or was it nothing? The satisfaction had nothing to do with the the prediction, yeah. if you like.
0: Um. Uh, no, no. I, I think the satisfaction was wow, we've won, yeah, we've won a flag, and just of itself. That's. I don't think I'd look at that. Oh wow, my plans have been vindicated, and I feel <laughs> there wasn't that at all. There was just flags are really, really hard to win. This is probably the hardest ever year we've experienced, and and we've won it in those circumstances. It was just incredible. It was an incredible feeling of relief, you know. And 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 because Tony, because we won a nineteen. Um, and I felt, so February, March 2020, I just felt, I felt invincible. I just felt, I was feeling such strength off the field and on the field. And I just allowed myself to think, oh, we could win this again. We'd go back to back. We're in that frame and then COVID hits and everything gets pulled back and we've got a massive budget cuts and we've got to cut the staff. And and then, you know, where the season's going to go ahead and you know, it's almost like Shit, we got ourselves in a, you know, probably the strongest position we have in years, and we almost got to throw the keys to. So, but to get the season back on track and be able to win, it was
1: just incredible sense of relief, just to
0: win of itself. Yeah, uh, well,
1: well, it's a great speech. I'd love to get you to read it actually, um, but so that people can enjoy yeah. it. But it's a I, can I we, it... we get
0: can we get what's his name who um, who. Um, Morgan Freeman is <laughs> on the old butcher.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so st- stick around, and Morgan Freeman will be reading yeah, Benny Gale's <laughs> yeah. speech from Punt Ride Oval 2010. Thanks, Brendan, for coming on. Pleasure to. Okay, cheers, Tom. If you like speeches, if you like the podcast, please do sign up at news.speakola.com. It will be a prompt as to whether you want to pay as you join up, and you're welcome to. I certainly won't slow you down. But if you want to try it out and just join up for free, I'd also really encourage that. So that's news.speakola.com. Other people are involved at patreon.com forward slash speakola. So if you look us up on Patreon, you can pledge financial support there to cover my expenses and just a little of my time. So yeah, support us, news.speakola.com. DocPlay have been sponsoring the Speakola podcast for the last eight or so episodes, and it is a magnificent documentary streaming service If you love sports documentaries, you'll find the Maradona one up there. I've watched that. The famed big wave surfing documentary, Bra Boys, is on DocPlay. And if you love footy and footy history, you can look up The Galahs, my own footy documentary. I made that in 2016 with Cameron Fink and Rob Heath. And it's a terrific look inside a trip to Ireland, the US and the UK in 1967 by effectively an All-Australian team of VFL footballers. The absolute elite of the Victorian game were over there taking on the All-Ireland champions in Meath at the famed croak park so look up the galas at docplay.com and watch it there and if you want to try a 45 day free subscription go to docplay.com forward slash racks forward slash speakola and that links in the show notes i tried to get morgan freeman i told him that every single afl footballer who has played since 1991 has the shawshank redemption as his or her favourite movie. But Morgan was unmoved by my pleas. And so what we've actually got is Brendan Gale reading out his own speech a few minutes after I finished the interview. So if you're a CEO wondering how to address a room, how to motivate a working group, how to intertwine history and goals and ambition into a 10-minute address, well, this one's really worth listening to. It was delivered at Punt Road Oval in Melbourne on the 2nd of March, 2010. And in terms of footy preciates, it doesn't get any better than this.
0: I'm a proud Richmond man. All that I've been able to achieve in football and after football has come from what I've learned from the people, culture and history of this great club. Everybody in this room has the same opportunity this club has given me. And I hope everybody in this room will do much, much more with that opportunity. I was privileged to have played 244 games for the Tigers from 1990 to 2001, a period in which we played in just two final series. From 1980 to 2010, we've had many, many fine contributors, both on and off the field. And indeed, we've been successful in a range of measures, but not on the measure that matters most. For a big, proud club that historically has been hardwired for success, where premiership success is part of our DNA, collectively, we've been a failure. Matthew Richardson is one of our greatest players, a tiger through and through. He played 280 games from 1993, won the Jack Dyer Medal, kicked 800 goals, second on the all-time goal-kicking list at Punt Road, and finished third in the Brownlow Medal in his second last season. He played in just one final series. A great career for a club which failed him. I could go on. Campbell, Knights, Kellaway, Roderick, Free, Bowden, etc. As much as it hurts me to say, the fact is we've been a collective failure. In 2010, we have 16 players who have the chance to make their debut at our club this season. David Asprey, Pat Conton, Matt Dee, Mitch Farmer, Elroy Gilligan, David Gurdas, Ben Griffiths, Dylan Grimes, Robert Hicks, Dustin Martin, Ben Nason, James O'Reilly, Relton Roberts, Troy Taylor, Jeremy Webberley, and Nick Westoff. 20 years ago, any of you could have been Tony Free, Cambo, Richo, excited to be joining a great club, a proud club, a club that thrived in success. Look at each other and think, can you imagine the next 20 years playing at this club and playing in just two final series? Never playing in a grand final. Winning nothing. Can any of us imagine this? Reaching 2030 with no more premierships? It's an intolerable thought, and one that only we, we, can eliminate. This room holds the future of the Richmond Football Club in its hands. This room is not our present. This room is our future. And all of us, board members, administration, football department, coaches, players. All that's missing are our members, our loyal, hungry members. But the truth is they're hopeless. They to rely on us, and we cannot fail them. 2010 is year one in the application of a plan that is based not on hope, not on a wish, not on rhetoric, but a plan that defines who we are and what we stand for. A plan that puts the right people in the right places. A plan that is ambitious, but patient. A plan that relies on all of us to succeed. A plan with real goals, real expectations, and accountability. Our plan is based on truth, on the recent success of clubs like ours, clubs that have been through similar droughts, and have come through to be dominant forces in rapid time. We will do the same. Our plan is not based on wondering why things have gone wrong and then blaming those who have gone before us, but on knowing why things go right. We all know the success of Geelong over the last three years. Was it a fluke? Of course it wasn't. The backbone of Geelong's success was put together in a room like this, with a group like this, with a plan like ours at the start of this decade. Think of these names and when they, like you, stood before their mates and started their careers. Lynn, Corey and Chapman debuted in 2000. Enright in 2001. Ablett, Bartell, Rook, Kelly and Johnson in 2002. At the end of the 2002 season, a season where Geelong finished 12th, the Cats have not won a premiership for 40 seasons. At the start of the 2010 season, Richmond has not won a Premiership for 30 seasons. Geelong did it by applying simple processes to maximise the opportunity that all IFL clubs have. The Cats planned for their success. They brought in good people who worked together. They acted and made decisions in accordance with a strong set of values. They believed in themselves and their plan. They stuck to their plan and remained loyal to each other when the really tough questions were being asked of them. At Richmond, we will establish and entrench a brand or culture or simply a Richmond way of doing things that both defines us and binds us. From this gathering on, we'll be a united club and all of us will unite behind our team. We will be relentless in pursuit of excellence in sticking to our plan and never deviating and in the way we apply ourselves to our goals. We will be proud of our past and what we've achieved and we'll be ambitious about our future and what we plan to achieve. We will be leaders in terms of our thinking and people and in terms of our relationship with our community. These are the benchmarks that will make Richmond a powerful and glorious place to be over the next decade. Occasionally, you'll be reminded of our successful past and see players and officials involved with that era in and around the club. Some are with us today. They're not people that provoke jealousy. They represent what you will represent. They represent winning. Our coach, who has come from successful United Clubs, represents winning. So must we. I've had a gutful of representing an era of failure. Many of you are tired of failure. Many of you newcomers have never known failure. And many of you newcomers must never know failure. Together, our entire club is motivated by the vision of our future in 2020. It's a vision of greatness and leadership that we describe as the power and the glory. By 2020, we aspire to win our third in Premiership, consistently provide the most exciting and powerful match day experience in the competition, once again have the strongest support base in the nation and enjoy the strongest emotional connection with our members and fans. We acknowledge we have an enormous amount of work to do in the most competitive competitions, in the most competitive era in our history, if we are to realise our vision. Therefore, the next five years is about building the capacity or horsepower of our organisation to deliver. Our plan features real goals with real measurements that need to be achieved along the way in order to succeed. These goals relate to our football performance, the strength of our relationship with our members Commercial popularity and financial strength. If we could boil the whole plan down to its fundamental essence, it means that by 2014 we expect to deliver 3,075 three finals appearances, zero debt, and 75,000 members. This is a plan that aligns the efforts and expectations of everyone associated with
1: the club. It is a plan to succeed. That's it for the episode. It's been a little bit shorter than some others. I've had a bit of bad luck with guests in recent times. I thought I had Caroline Kennedy, daughter of JFK, to talk about her eulogy for Ted Kennedy. And I got all the way through the minors at the embassy and thought I was a real chance. But it was a no in the end. Too busy with Biden's visit. Damn you, Biden. It is a time-consuming business producing, presenting, editing, promoting SpeakOla podcast and running the newsletter and website as well. And if you think I should get paid for it, well, you can help out on that front. It's news.speakola.com and go paid the very generous, become founding members. That's $120 a year. And thank you to the six or seven people who have chosen to do that. At Patreon, there are some standing ovation donors that are going at $20 a month. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Big thanks to Brendan Gale. Thank you for the sponsorship, docplay.com. Thank you, David Bridie, for the excellent music. If you like this episode, give us a rating in your podcast app. If you like footy history, buy my book, 1989, The Great Grand Final. You can buy it from me at tonywilsonauthor.com. It's, I think, $35 plus postage. That's it for the episode. I hope you enjoyed it, Tiger fans. I didn't begrudge you a flag. Didn't even really mind you getting two, but three seemed a bit too many for me by the end. But I think you might be joining the Hawks in some doldrums for a while, so that'll make me feel better. All the best, everyone. Speak well. Hey, if you stuck around to the end of the theme, I thought you might want to hear a little bit of um, Brendan Gale talking about Alan Jeans. This is a story told by quite a few people at Richmond in the 1992 season. It's usually known as just the Tim Powell story. I've been putting up stories like this at my personal writing website, which is Good One Wilson. Search up Good One Wilson and sign up there if you're interested i reckon and did it, he th- did he ride guys like i've heard the tim powell story uh have, have you heard that one that yeah, i think it was told at the funeral was yeah, it? yeah it
0: was yeah. that victoria park let me let me give me a shot at dacos
1: yeah yeah you know the story, yeah. He, said, and he let says, uh, "Let
0: me put it in." He said, "You're you're a car. You work with Steelwell. You're a car salesman, Tim. Yeah, that's right. You work with steel wheels. Yes, I do." He said, "Well, I'll put it to you on your terms, Sonny." <laughs> he said, "He's a fine piece of engineering." <laughs> he said, "He's like a European piece of you know BMW." and "You're just a mini miner, Son." <laughs> he said, "He's
1: worse that effect." Everyone changes the car type each time. I've heard VW Beetle, so, Mini, so, Minimiter. So, so
0: I can imagine him having those conversations at Hawthorne where, the, where they're on autopilot and you put egos in place and they're all so self-driven. But probably now have the same effect. We need to be picked up a bit more. <laughs>